0: With us right now it's the founder and president of the Block Group it's Patty Block. Patty you're found on the web at theblockgroup.net. Patty thank you so much for joining us.
1: My pleasure. I'm so glad to be here.
0: And and give us an overview of the work that you do at the Block Group.
1: Sure. I work with women business owners who are experts in their fields, primarily accountants, attorneys, engineers, and marketing and PR professionals. And I also have a soft spot for the elder care industry. So I work with quite a few companies in that industry. And what I do is I help women understand a really important dynamic of what's happening as they're running their business. And it's what I call the broken cookie effect, which I'm happy to share with Mm. you. But also then I'm Mm -hmm. helping them shift their mindset, generate more revenue with less stress. And in addition, it's really about running your business your way.
0: Yeah. Well, let's definitely start with mindset. What's going on with mindset? Why is our mindset uh, getting in the way of our revenue?
1: So when I was growing up, my mom used to make these fabulous cookies. The whole house smelled good. It was warm. The cookies were gooey. And all my life, I watched my mom eat the broken cookies. But it wasn't until I was a teenager that I even thought to ask her, why do you only eat the broken cookies? Do they taste better? And she laughed and said, no, I eat the broken cookies so you can have the whole ones. And not too long ago, I saw this really shocking statistic. 62% of women rely on their business for their primary income. And 88% of women business owners make less than $100,000 a year. And all of a sudden, this image of my mom eating the broken cookies popped in my head. And I thought that is what I have been seeing. That's the pattern that I've been seeing since 2006 when I founded this company and started working with women business owners, that we undervalue ourselves, we underprice our services, and then we over-deliver. And Mm. what that does is it creates a self-imposed glass ceiling in our business, keeps us artificially limited and small. And even if you don't want your company to get to be a big company with 50 employees and and, millions in revenue, even if that's not your goal, you still may be feeling stuck because you are limiting yourself in terms of the revenue you can generate. And so a lot of the work that I do is helping women generate more revenue with less stress. It's what I call the broken cookie effect. And there are specific strategies that I've developed to address that and to do what I call beating the broken cookie effect.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know if that's a universal mom dad thing. Um, but yeah, if, if it's not the the broken cookie pieces, um you know, I always start with the broken. And maybe a part of it is a little bit of monk in me too, you know, where it's like, oh, we got to get rid of all the broken pieces first. And because that doesn't look as nice. <laughs> um, but yeah, um, so here's um here's I mean, well, I'll let you explain this. Um, what are the consequences of and you know I think our listener friend is going to be you know kind of like <laughs> I could yeah, they could answer this very easily too. but what are the consequences of not having enough profit margin built into the work that we do? And does that truly serve our clients if we don't have enough profit margin?
1: It's an excellent point. So, we make this mistake of thinking that we're doing somebody a favor if we offer an invisible discount. The buyer may not even realize we're offering a discount, but that's what we're doing. And so, sometimes it's overt. We say, Oh, you know, I'm going to give you this discount or I'm going to give you a percentage off. Yeah. Because I really want to help you. But you're right. You're doing a disservice. Because as long as you keep your company very limited, it means you can't hire people to help you. It means that the way that you help your clients may be very limited in terms of your bandwidth and your ability to provide the resources. So there's all kinds of ways that we limit ourselves. And we're not doing that on purpose, but we're also not really doing it on accident. Part of it is conditioning. And, and you made the point about, you don't want anyone to see the broken cookies, right? Well, what we as women do is we'll eat the broken cookies so everybody else gets the whole cookie. And that means our staff, our clients, our families, everybody else gets the whole cookie and we're left living on crumbs. And we've been so conditioned to do that that it almost seems like second nature, but you're right, it does keep our companies limited and the way we can help our clients is more limited.
0: Yeah. Um, so the obviously, you know, it's like when we uh, are only leaving the crumbs for ourselves. Um, I I I would argue that we're we're far less valuable overall to our clients because we're always stressed out about money, and so we have to do way more. We have to work with way more clients just to take care of our own obligations. And then we're not putting in our effort to create the absolute best service uh, where we don't have to be stressed out, that we can work with our clients in style, uh, you know, and do so, you know, where we can be 100% present for them as opposed to you know, giving our clients, because I think that if we keep only the crumbs for ourselves, I would argue that our clients ultimately get crumbs as well.
1: Well, that's a good point. It's something I call the myth of more, Mm. that we do think we have to get more and more projects, more and more clients. And that creates a whole new set of problems. So you're right. And the more people we take on, or the more projects we take on, the less we are present for our clients. So, to some extent, it is a self perpetuating cycle. And one of the challenges is that if you're not paying close attention to the money coming in and the money going out of your company, to really your cash flow cycle, which a lot of people are not, they're not paying attention to that. They may look at their financials, but they're not really paying attention to cash flow. And because of that, what will happen is a, you don't know if you're profitable or if you don't know if that client or that project is profitable. So that hinders you, but also you keep taking more and more clients thinking you need more and more revenue. That's only one way to bring in more revenue. There are many, many others that are much more productive and better for you as the business owner. So Patty, um
0: what do we do now? So so we've identified the problem. How do we begin to fix this?
1: I believe everything flows from pricing and I'm a pricing expert. And what I'm looking at is not necessarily the dollar amount. So if it were as simple as just raise your prices, then (laughs) no one would need me, right? It's not that simple. And one of the challenges is that, especially for women, there's a lot of fear underneath that. So yes, we're undervaluing ourselves, and we've been conditioned to take care of everyone around us. However, we're also very afraid to either raise prices, change our pricing model and the way we structured it, or sometimes we're afraid to even talk about, because we feel as though it's conflict, and that we're going to get pushback, or we're going to get a question that's asked of us, we're not going to know how to answer that question. And so all of those things make us avoid, we often avoid sales and we definitely avoid changing our pricing. So the way that I approach it is helping you shift your mindset, first of all, because you do need to look at money, value, and pricing in a very different way. And that's an approach that I teach. I have a program called Value Driven Pricing, and I teach that mindset shift first From there, we then build your pricing model. And one important thing to note about a pricing model is that it is not set in stone. It's not static. A pricing model is meant to be dynamic. So you set it up in a way that works well, and then you test it. And you see what your buyers are thinking and how Mm. they're reacting or responding to that. And then you come back and tweak it. And there are many different ways you can structure it. There are, um, you know, one of the challenges is finding what works for you. So when I talk about run your business your way, some people think, well, but I don't know what my way is. That's what I help you discover. And when you discover that and it aligns with your values and what's important to you and how you want to interact with your clients and who you want to work with. When all of that aligns, then building your pricing model becomes a matter of mechanics. Mm -hmm. And I teach you how to do the mechanics of that, how to test it, and how to tweak it. So those are the next steps. The third step is probably the most difficult, and that's learning to talk about yourself, your business, and your pricing with confidence. And that does not happen by accident. And it doesn't even happen over time. I work with women that have been in business twenty five years, and they're still hesitant to talk about their pricing. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. You know, um, it's uh, you know, boy, there's so many things we could talk about in regards to pricing. You know, one thing that I I, uh, I just had a conversation uh, with someone, and uh, uh, you know, she's kind of going through everything she was going to do, uh, and um, then she shared. I, I said, "Well, you know, can you?" kind of share the investment here because it sounds great. And she gave me the price and I was like, oh yeah, I, now it was really interesting because the price was a lot lower that I had envisioned in my mind. Now the first thing that I thought of is maybe it's not as valuable as I was anticipating because she gave me a much lower price than what I was thinking it was going to be. So it's interesting, you know, what was going, you know, kind of my psychology as a consumer, as a buyer. um, And um, so, you know, having some you know, experience with this. I, I kind of asked her about it afterwards. Uh, and, uh, you know, I probably, I shared, it. I said, I think you could probably double your price. Um, you know, just based on, you know, but, but I, um, but again, it's your pricing will also very naturally attract the type of client that I think you may want to work with. Um, and it will naturally, um, not appeal to a different Uh, type of client. Uh, I've worked with $500 clients and I've worked with $50,000 clients. And I can tell you that overall, um, I I kind of enjoy the $50,000 clients. They they tend to be a little bit more collaborative. Like we were working big level. They deploy. When I tell them to do something, they generally do it because they're heavily invested in our relationship together. Um, I, I don't know. That's my experience with this.
1: Yes, and we often forget about the foundations of human behavior. And and we think that we're somehow special, different, and that our buyer is somehow special, different. And there's an underlying idea here about what humans believe. And especially in Western culture, we believe that high price goes with high quality and low price indicates low quality. And if you look at a retail example, like Walmart, Macy's, and Neiman Marcus, those are three different levels. They have three different pricing models. They have three different levels of quality. And which woman shops in which store depends on what she values, how much money she can spend, what she thinks is important. So I personally am a Macy's shopper and for clothes. But if I want Household goods, I go to Walmart. So Mm -hmm. you have to figure out where you fit and who your buyers are in that example, because I can buy a blouse in all three of those stores. But where I buy that is going to depend on what I think is important. Mm -hmm. And that is exactly what your buyers are thinking when they come to you. So if you have artificially low prices, they are going to question, am I really getting what I want? And is this really the highest quality? And because most women are dramatically underpricing their services.
0: Mm. All right, Patty, how do you work with uh, women then? Uh, What what does engagement look like with you?
1: So I have several different ways of working with my clients. One is one-on-one consulting, where I serve as an outsourced Chief operating officer. And that is my background, is operations and finance. So I can often help them with all aspects of their business, from their pricing to use of technology, staffing, and hiring. So that's a very well rounded way that I can help my clients. And often I'm not only helping them build their company, I'm helping them exit their company. And so I work with quite a few women who are interested in exiting and perhaps selling their company. So we position Mm. it for that and build that value, but also they care a lot about legacy. And I think we all do. So that is part of that positioning is how can you exit your company in a very graceful way and still leave a legacy? The other group of my clients are the builders. And those are typically between five and 15 years in business. So I can work one-on-one to help them with their pricing models, shifting how they're thinking and any aspect of their business. I also have a program called the Revenue Roundtable, which is a group of very carefully curated women business owners that are peers. And we support as well as challenge each other. And we focus on how you generate more revenue with less stress. Mm. And then I also have two online programs, Value-Driven Pricing, and painless selling to ideal buyers. And those two programs fit together like a puzzle. Hmm. And what I often caution is, it doesn't matter if you sell a ton, if your pricing is off, because you're still gonna struggle to be profitable. Oh, absolutely. and And you're gonna struggle with inconsistent revenue. Yeah. So I always wanna start with, let's fix your pricing first, let's experiment, let's make sure it works for you and for your company. And then we go on to building a sales process and treating sales more like matchmaking.
0: Yeah. Um, All right. So Patty Block, uh, your website is theblockgroup.net. When somebody goes to your website, uh, what should they do? What should they click on?
1: They should click on a link that says, my revenue roadblocks and take the free quiz because it will help you identify the roadblocks that are keeping you stuck, especially in terms of generating revenue. So take the quiz, you'll get a report. And from there, go to about. And I have recorded several videos, which you'll see on the website, but in particular, the video that talks about who I am, what's important to me, how I work with my clients and why I do the work I do. So I would love for you to read a little bit more and listen to the video because I'm on a mission and it is so important to me, it's important to everyone that I work with that we are able to build our companies, but also to run our companies in a way that works for us and isn't a cookie cutter program that we have picked up somewhere along the way that may not be working as well for us.
0: Yeah, you know, I'm going through your quiz right now. These are some really good insightful questions in terms of like, you know, statements that are pretty common. Uh, Yeah, I I recommend, uh, again, theblockgroup.net, click on revenue roadblocks quiz. Uh, I I like how you've structured this. This This is good stuff. You're obviously, Patty, helping some great people. Thank you so much, Patty, for joining us. I've really enjoyed our conversation.